Welcome to the University of the Gods podcast. This lesson is, who are you and what do you want? How these two simple questions can solve every problem. Hi, and welcome to this lesson. We're so glad that you've decided to join us. Okay, this lesson is a continuation of the course Foundations in Godhood. And let's just go ahead and jump right in with a thought experiment. Imagine that you are going to a community potluck. Let's say it's at the local park pavilion. There's a giant table. People bring food. There are park tables and benches everywhere. And my, my personal home community has some amazing cooks. So often we'll show up just a little bit early to watch them come and see which dish is theirs, you know, as they put it on the table. And it's a bit of a sport among some of the locals to compete for who can make the best food, which is great for the rest of us. I mean, we try to make something really great, but we're definitely not at their level. But we're very happy to go eat their food and appreciate it and praise them for it. At any rate, we all go, we get our food, we find a seat, and pretty soon, you know, the table that we're at is full of people, some of whom we know, some of whom we don't. So we take a moment to introduce ourselves and get to know the people at the table. So... A bright and vibrant person introduces herself. She is Billy's mom. She talks about soccer games and PTA meetings and how busy her life is and she's happy and warm. She's the kind of person that's easy to be friends with. And then the next person introduces herself as the CEO of a local startup and it's doing pretty well. She's even thinking of opening a new store the next city over. She has a sense of purpose to her and she seems very well put together. You know, and then the next person is an angry divorcee who is very sure to let everybody know how terrible her ex is. You know, and she has some pretty serious non-specific health concerns, may or may not be selling oils that she is sure will cure any problem. You know, and she also has food allergies that she is sure to tell you about, you know, either by explaining that the food on her plate is superior to the food on yours or how you are so lucky because you can eat anything that you want as opposed to her who, you know, bruh, 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 bruh. this is how it goes. Okay. We mentioned in earlier podcasts that gods are infinite, you know, and we would do well to handle infinity with grace. And here's an opportunity to practice that. Take a moment to analyze infinity. The people at the table literally could have said anything. Why out of every choice available did they choose to introduce themselves the way that they did? I mean, think about it. Billy's mom might also be a business owner going through a divorce, but that's not what she told you about. And the CEO might also be a mom who has some food sensitivities, but that's not what she chose to talk about when she identified herself. So where did their spiel come from? Let's take a moment to review two key foundational principles for understanding people. The first one is the comfort calculation. You'll remember this. It was just asking ourselves, what is the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? You know, and the answer is what we do. Our behavior comes from the calculation. And what do we consider beneficial? Just as a review, the answer is found in the B primes. This is an acronym which helps us to remember what people's universal needs are, their core motivations. The B is for body, P for power, R for relationships, I for importance, M for movement, E for expression, S for safety. So anytime we have an introduction type scenario, what's really happening is we're training the people around us on how to interact with us, right? We give them what we consider will give us the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort. 
What makes Billy's mom feel smart or powerful or like she's growing? You know, on what terms does she prefer to interact with the people at the table? You know, what will give her the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? You know, and feeling smart, by the way, is the importance or significance part of the B primes. Power is power. Growth is movement. You know, the M for in primes. So her introduction is in line with what will give her the most food, if you will. Um, and that's the, the most effortless. She, she loves what it feels like to be a mom. That's what makes her interesting, special. That's how she wants to relate to you. Now, moving on, what makes the CEO feel smart and powerful? You know, what terms does she like to interact with others? How are you to address her? How is she inviting you to see her? You know, and what about the divorcee? Where does her power come from? What makes her feel important? What is her preferred method of connection to the other people? You know, once you can see it, once you can see this pattern, you'll have the greater ability to connect to others and you'll have greater influence on how people respond to you. Which, by the way, brings us to a, a, a side note to those of you who are reinventing yourselves. It's helpful to really think about your introduction. Like people will ask where you're from. And if you don't want to tell them where you're from because you just don't like that part of your backstory, you're going to need an answer that lines up with your new you. They're going to want to know how to connect with you and look for commonalities between them or between you guys. So if you provide connection points like interests or projects, you can interact with others in the new way under your own terms instead of the old way that you're trying to abandon. You just need to think about it first. You ask yourself, what do you want? I want to connect to this person in this way. And then what will bring you the maximum benefit? That's how you craft your new identity, you know, for those who are trying to reinvent yourselves. Okay. Now, returning to this idea of introductions and identities, you know, in order to facilitate understanding to make this easier, I've turned it into a pattern or a formula or a template to help us analyze what's going on and see it better. And it goes kind of like this. Because in this situation, I identify as, you know, insert identity here, I will tend to the B primes with this behavior. And the reason I put the part about the situation into the formula is that who we see ourselves um, yeah, so who we see ourselves as changes based on the environment, right? At the beginning, I t talked about a community potluck um, because in a community, community setting, people default to just introducing themselves, you know, globally. If, however, I was to say, all right, imagine you're at an education conference. Well, people would introduce themselves in terms of education, you know, what level their degree is, their academic achievements or what they wish to learn. So their identity is going to change to, to meet the environment, you know, and, and who we feel we are changes depending on where we are. And also it changes depending on how we feel we rank with the people around us. Okay. So for example, because in this situation, I identify as the class clown, I will feel the need for attention, connection, power, expression, and stimulation with the power. I mean, with the behavior of shouting out a joke so that all of my classmates will laugh at me. You have all seen this student. Or, and just a reminder for the B primes, attention and connection fall under the R for relationships, you know, and the need for stimulation falls under the M for movement. Okay. Or another one. Because in this situation I identify as an expert, I feel the need for significance, relationships, growth, and safety with the behavior 
of preparing a well-researched presentation that will be both interesting and uplifting for all in attendance. Because in this situation I identify as a victim, I will fill the need for power, relationships, importance, movement, expression, and safety with the behavior of telling anybody who will listen how difficult my situation is and giving suggestions for how they can help see things in terms of this template. Okay, because in this situation I identify as a parent, I fill the need for stability, significance, and expression with the behavior of explaining in no uncertain terms to my child that they cannot hit their sibling. This pattern is behind all behavior. And then I'll, I'll do a couple that's me personally. Because in this situation, I identify as the headmaster of the University of the Gods, you know, which for me means I have the responsibility to build souls. I will fill the need for growth, relationships, power, and expression by doing my absolute best to make a podcast that will truly help my students, help you, to see and learn and grow. You know, and then also me, another one. Because in this situation, I identify as an independent adult. I will fill the need for food, this is, you know, the B and B primes for body, by eating whatever is readily available in the fridge. <laughs> and here, the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort, you know, if I don't calculate it in time, is to go for the ice cream because I need sugar and it takes like three seconds to open the package. I don't actually have to cook it. If I did that every day, I'd be in trouble, but for now, I need the, I need the brain power. Okay, last one, also me. Because in this situation, I identify as a foreigner who is at the moment lost, I will fill the need for safety, stability, freedom, and power by asking somebody in a uniform how to get to the train station so I can find my way home. So same person, three different situational identities. It's all me. I really am a foreigner who's lost. Well, I mean, not right now. I'm at home. You know, and I, I really am a grown-up who can take care of myself and eat my own food, which is different than being a guest. Because I'm a guest, I will eat what's in front of me, you know. Do you see the relationship between the identity and the behavior? It's all routed through the B primes. I mean, eating food that's taking care of the body, but... If I'm identifying as my own independent self, then I just eat whatever I want. If I'm identifying as a guest, then of course I'm going to eat whatever is in front of me because it's polite. There's a relationship between who we feel we are and what we do. See it. Okay, and this, this formula does give you the ability to see. And once you can see something, often you can do something about it. You know, or at least you can begin to navigate the skill building necessary so that in time you have the ability to handle any situation. Now, incidentally, those of you who are listening to this, this doesn't always work for me. Like even after years of study, there are still people in my life who utterly baffle me as far as, you know, how their stated wants render into their current behaviors. You know, and it's even more surprising to watch them interact with people who get them. You know, I'll even ask after the fact, you know, I'm, I'm alone with the other person. I'm like, wow, how did you get this individual to be warm and happy? You know, and they're all like, well, they just needed to be understood. That's all. And I'm, I'm dumbfounded because I just don't quite. For most people, you can see their identity because they'll tell you who they are. And you can see how their behavior relates to their, their universal needs, their B primes. Not always, but often. Anyway, okay. Before going on, I want to point out two things. Here again, with this formula, we have that three-tiered hierarchy I mentioned earlier. Um, on the bottom is infinity. Infinite behavior possibilities. You know, and in the middle are the building blocks. That are the B primes. And all of it comes from the central origin of identity. 
identity B primes infinite behavior possibility. Remember, white light, primary colors, infinite color possibilities, all truth, all law. Everything about everything fits into this organizational pattern, origin, building blocks, infinity. Now, I mention it as a form of training you. I mean, in time we will discuss this at length because when you can raise up out of infinite possibility and see things in terms of origin, you have much greater power as a creator. And the whole of my podcasts are useful exactly because we do a bird's eye view of humanity instead of a microscopic view. You know, and when being a bird is too close, then we become the sun. You know, but for now, Except that my mentioning, you know, this three-tiered organizational hierarchy, whatever, it's, it's just groundwork for further discussions, you know, and giving you further abilities in the future. So I'm, I'm helping you to begin to see it so that when we talk about it, um, it'll be easier. All right, moving on. For this next part, let's, do, let's just do a new scenario. So you go into a strategy meeting for your company. Everyone is stressed. The person running the meeting has a bit of an ego because he identifies as the leader. He feels the need for power, significance, and so on by throwing his weight around, making sure that people act in deference to his titles. You know, and the workers in this situation identify with people, identify themselves as people with skills, which means to them that they know better than the other people who don't have skills. And they feel the need for power and significance by rebelling a little against the leader, you know, as a method for helping him know that he shouldn't treat them like that. You know, and there's a project that needs to be done. People in higher offices seem to think it's necessary, and those people control the money and the employment status of everyone there. You know, and while there's no direct threat, each person there feels the need for safety, in part by trying to come up with the best solution for how to do the project and meet the deadlines. This is how it goes when you're in a work situation. Okay. Let's say that the imaginary you in this situation is unhappy because you hate your boss, you don't like the competitive teardown nature of your coworkers, you aren't particularly on board with the project the company is doing, you know, because with your vast experience and credentials, you believe that it's not the best solution or way forward. You know, in this situation, you identify as a big fish in small water and it bothers you. Where's your power? Where's your significance? You know, you want people to respect you. You want people to see you and value you. So what will give you the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? Telling them that you know what the, what you're doing and it's, sorry, let me say that again. Telling them that you know what you're doing and insist on taking over the meeting or, you know, what will give you the greatest benefit? Giving up, giving half-hearted comments, you know, when you're asked to comment but not really doing anything substantial or teaming up with a colleague and launching a minor rebellion. Here's the part where we reintroduce the question, what do you want? How do you know what will give you the greatest benefit if you don't know what it is that you're building or what it is that you really want? And you think about this, if we return back to the B primes, if you really want respect or significance, is a strategy meeting at work really the best way to get it? I mean, really? I mean, if you want people to acknowledge you, see you, honor your credentials, is launching a mini rebellion the best way to go long term? Of course not. Now, your B primes are not optional. We always find a way to fill our needs, even if the way that we do it is destructive long term, like we can't not matter. Once we can come to terms with that, we, be, we can begin to decide for ourselves how we will matter. 
You know, perhaps there is a better source of significance than looking to coworkers to make us feel like we're worth something. And perhaps there's a, be a greater way to be powerful than that of destroying others. And maybe there's a better way to be free that doesn't involve begging other people to grant us our freedom, you know, and then promoting us when we feel unsure of ourselves. You know, and students, I'm going to be harsh here for a second. Just go with it, okay? Unlike the movies, in real life, nobody cares about you. People only care about themselves. You know, they like you if you provide comfort and they dislike you if you make them uncomfortable. You know, and it's likely the same for you. You like the people who induce good feelings in you and you dislike the people who induce bad feelings in you. And I mean, not everyone is like this. There is an exception. You know, there are people who see other people as inherently valuable. But people like that are few and far between, and their life isn't about your need to matter. So they're not going to like chase you around and make you feel better. So nobody's going to stop the strategy meeting. Silence everyone. Look you straight in the face and be all like, help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. Because in fact, really, you're very replaceable. And nobody cares what you think unless you have something they want or need. So don't wait around for others to make you valuable. There may be that one time that that one person said that one thing that made you feel great, but you are a godling and waiting around for someone to convince you of your worth while you argue with them, hoping they'll intensify their insistence that you are special. That never works out. They'll leave you exhausted and be less likely to return next time. There is a better way. Okay. One of the very difficult things when it comes to dis discussing identity is that all people actually have a duality to them. There is the identity that we choose, you know, or that other people assign to us that we then adopt because we don't know we have a choice. And then there is the innate identity as a demigod. Or to say that another way, our godhood, or I suppose here it would be clear if I use the word soul, our soul has properties, it reacts. You know, we have an identity that's a choice and then an identity that is not a choice, an innate identity as a God. And that identity has a way about it that is universal to all. It's the properties of that, this identity, the properties of the soul, if you will, that dictates how we are with our chosen identity. Souls are inherently free. They are inherently powerful and inherently significant. You are inherently significant. And when we look to others for our freedom, our power, our significance, we go against our soul. You know, it's like a disturbance in the force. It gnaws at us. And we will never be happy because nobody can ever love us enough or be enough to satisfy us because they don't have what we need. We are already what we need. We just need access to it. And we will cover that at length in a future podcast. Really, the only one of our B primes that needs or requires another person is relationships. We do need each other. And though we are inherently significant, meaning is found in relationships. You know, and we'll cover this also more in subsequent lessons. For now, I mention it so that um, for those of you who can already kind of see it, you'll have an added dimension of awareness to what we're covering in this podcast. So let's return to the board meeting. Let's change the identity of the imaginary you from, you know, big fish in a small water or small waters, you know, who's feeling undervalued to that of a builder. So you're very clearly in your mind what you want. 
You want to contribute and make things better. You're not hungry to matter because you already matter. Your significance is not threatened because it doesn't come from making other people honor you. So what do you do in this meeting? You listen. You can see the formula, you know, because in this situation, I feel I'm this, I honor the B primes with this behavior. So you see your boss, your boss is feeling insecure. So you express appreciation for his leadership and you emphasize the parts um, of his, his, I don't know, leadership that are good. You know, you do this without being manipulative. Everything you do is genuine. Otherwise it, it really won't work. You know, and instead of staying quiet, when the opportunity presents itself, you explain that the current project might not be the best. You will, of course, support it because you belong to a team, but with that understood, you offer an alternative. And then you are not crushed when your suggestion is rejected. You see that some of the other coworkers are vying for attention. You praise what is praiseworthy. You give them attention. You help people feel safe so they can begin to explore additional options in the meeting. You know, you see their needs and do what you can to feed them. When people are satisfied, they tend to calm down and they're a lot easier to interact with, right? And then when the meeting is over, you're neither better nor worse because the point of the meeting was the project and the business strategies, not your ego. Now, incidentally, if your identity is solid and pure, you will leave that meeting without something I call head monsters. Head monsters is when somebody says something and then it turns into a monster in your mind where you replay what happened over and over and you obsess over what they said and what you said and what you would wish you had said and so on. Head, head monsters are always about safety, you know, in terms of significance. Something made you feel unsafe in the part of you that matters. And they're terrible and amazingly painful. You know, often a lot of bad behavior is just a result of people doing anything they can think of to protect themselves from gaining additional head monsters. And the real protection is to find their own inherent worth and be loyal to it to the point of absolute security. And we'll address that in a later podcast and give you instructions for how to pull that off so that if you are plagued with head, head monsters, you can extricate yourself and be free, really and truly free. Head monsters are awful. Okay, your identity as a helper is in harmony with your innate godhood. When you factor an identity as a helper with time and a comfort calculation, it checks out because being a helper won't do any damage to your tomorrows, you know, as long as your definition of helper is healthy. Okay, let's return to the example of the community potluck. Billy's mom as an identity is actually pretty good. You can be a parent and this identity won't collapse in on you as long as your definition of motherhood is healthy. You know, and it's the same with a CEO. Building a company is very much in line with godhood if you focus on creation and problem solving. But the divorcee who's very excited about her trauma story on the other hand, has an identity that is in direct opposition to that of her soul. She will never ever be okay when she identifies herself in terms of victimhood. Gods are not victims. Even though sometimes in the course of our interactions with our fellow demigods, some truly unconscionable things happen to us, you know, through absolutely no fault of our own. A note of compassion for those who identify as victims. It's understandable. People are inherently significant. And when that significance isn't honored, if we don't have the skill level to handle it in a way that is healthy, we jump to something that's less, less healthy. This is just the comfort calculation. What will give us the greatest benefit? 
When something bad happens to us, it violates our power. It violates our significance. As demigods, we can't let that go. We are inherently powerful and significant. We must do something to make up for the lost. We must do something about what happened. We are creators. So we take control of what happened. Victimhood is the next available replacement power. We didn't matter enough to not be violated. It doesn't compute. Therefore, we will matter exactly because we were violated. And in this way, we gain power over the violation. Now, this doesn't work out long term, but in the moment, it makes sense. You know, and also that awful person that did that awful thing to us, who took away part of our personhood, we want to balance that. What can we do to take away a part of their personhood? Well, if we stay wounded, our wounds stand as a monument to their character. Look at how terrible they are. They did this to us and we never recovered. That person there is not worthy. They are not good. They did that to us, us. You know, and as long as they aren't sorry, we aren't going to get better. You know, and in this way, we hurt them back. It makes sense. And this brain programming is the exact thing that keeps many, many people from recovering from all sorts of offenses. But if you factor time into the comfort calculation, it means that your entire life will become about some terrible thing that happened and about some terrible person. You will be old and still talking about that thing that happened to you when you were a child and your whole life will be wasted. Students, it's more common than you think. My ministries as a soul builder has taken me into the trenches of lost souls and I've spent hours among the old and wasted. Time doesn't heal problems. Healing problems heals problems. And everything is a skill. Having innate access, Bubichi, having access to your innate worth is a skill. Forgiveness is a skill. Bouncing back from traumas and disasters is a skill. You know, and victims, you can't go to a victim and just be like, knock it off. They can't knock it off any more than an ordinary person can sit down at a piano and play a concerto. Skills take time. So have compassion for those who are lighting fires and then crying that another person made them do it. They don't yet know a better way. And if you are such a person, stick with us. We'll lead you out of that way of life should you choose to take that path. Okay, let's end this lesson with assignments and results. Take time to run the behaviors you see through the identity formula. Who does that person think they are? How are they handling their B primes as a result? This will do two things. First, it will protect you from taking things personally. None of their behavior is about you ever. And once you can see it, you will be free if you're the kind of person who worries about other people's opinions. Second, it will give you much greater influence in any given situation. People will flat out tell you uh, what they feel they want or what they feel they need. So you feed them and they will more often than not allow you to influence them. From there, you can be a builder and a lifter and do great things. Also, if there's any behavior in your own life that you wish you, can, you could change, but you just can't seem to, try analyzing that behavior in terms of your B primes. What are you hungry for? Are your behavior a behaviors about safety and protecting yourself are they about adventure and variety which you know counts as movement in the primes you know it's likely that you are in need in those areas if you find a way to provide for yourself your behavior will even out
and you can probably overcome whatever it is that you're trying to change. All right, students, that is it for this lesson. I hope you enjoyed that lesson. Please join us next time. All right, I'm Iman Shaka.